0: Move over, Monopoly! In this dev life edition of the Angular Plus show, Fontarius Q Lator, Ray from JB Hunt talks all about the pros and cons to the competitive side of being a software engineer and lessons he's learned from competitive board and video games for pushing yourself to achieve ultimate success. Q shares how companies can foster healthy progression without letting things become cutthroat, how developers can stand out at work or in the job market at large, and even how our failed levels or lost games can teach us some of our greatest lessons for improvement. Whether you're naturally competitive or not, grab your playing pieces and spin the wheel, cause there's something here for you. This is The Dev Life.
1: This episode is sponsored by this Labs, a framework agnostic JavaScript consulting firm. Our experts provide industry leading engineering, architectural and training services to enterprises around the world. Let us
2: help you reduce technical debt, improve your products and services, upskill your teams and promote longevity and scalability within your systems. Learn more and request a complimentary codebase audit at this.labs.com or by following us on Twitter at
0: this.labs. Hey, Brooke, how's it going?
2: It's going all right. sitting out in the sun today, so it was a wonderful day, but I have to say hello to Q as well. So hello, Q
1: hey guys
0: how are y'all doing excellent <laughs> yep doing pretty well awesome. all
2: right you have an important question for you because like i i'll have to say like i haven't been on twitter as much as i used to be but when i do get on i was noticing the other day that you were tweeting about like uh, he-man and i guess it might have been called masters of the universe that's right okay and it looked like it was a board game so i'm curious about this because i used to grow up watching he-man with my big brother but i didn't know there was a board game
1: yeah i think it's relatively new it wasn't my board game um it was a friend of mine here in arkansas and he wanted to get it to the table it's a very highly produced um probably big box board game i'd probably say he probably dropped about 250 on it. Um, and, um, it, it plays asymmetrically. So you have one, one player who's controlling all the bad guys and you have one play or a group of players playing all the good guys. And so, uh, there are different objectives. I was the solo bad guy playing against three good guys. And I had to, um, I guess it was deliver cargo on this Island to a spot. And once you got five of those in or you killed five of the good guys, then you won the game. Uh, I lost the game four to five, but it was it was a great, great experience. I I generally don't really mind playing um, those competitive games like those. I don't like like war game fighting games, but that was a fun one.
2: Nice. So it's not Skeletor. It's like you were Culetor.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I did play uh, Skeletor, but yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess Q, Qator is a good name for it. Nice. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. So, like, I don't know. Before I got into programming, I can't say that. You know, I I know I knew people who were like casual gamers, but then I got into software engineering, and it seems like everybody just loves gaming. So yep. it's been fun to get more familiar with with the different games that are out there, but I don't know, Preston, are you into it at all?
0: I'm not like way into it, but um, my brother and sister in law they have a lot more board games than us, and so uh, we've we play with them sometimes, and uh, and we have we have like a decent amount of games, but most of the games we have are like I don't know, like more simple than a lot of like the big games, but. Yeah. Um, for christmas i think it was christmas i got or maybe her birthday i got my wife um like this harry potter deck building game Mm -hmm. um that that i saw some good reviews on and we tried that uh with my brother and sister-in-law and it's it's like different because like there's basically seven levels of -hmm. the same game and so we got it out and we tried level one and we're like oh that was really easy um it was kind of overwhelming at first because none of us had played a big game like that. <laughs> level one was super easy. So we're like, all right, let's try level two. And that was still pretty easy. And we beat that one. So like, all right, now we'll do level three. And we lost terribly. Oh. <laughs> like it was the four of us like we're trying to, you know, play together and we didn't even come close. So um it was it was pretty fun though. I like games like that. But, uh, you and I, you know, we were talking before we started recording, I'm very busy. And so I don't always have time to like sit down and play a two hour game or whatever. And so, um, so I don't play a lot, but I always enjoy it when I do play.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And see, I'm more of the, I don't know, like I, I tend to prefer like word games and, and things, not so much the role playing strategy ones, like you said, that take a long time, but. You know, put me in front of like a I don't know. Scattergories is probably one of my <laughs> favorite games, or not so much Scrabble, but like Boggle. Even I'd like that one. But anything that has to do with words and and stuff like that, I, I'm I tend to gravitate towards those. But
0: I don't know. Have key, you what tried Bananagrams I before?
2: It seems like I did a long time ago. I, you know, what? in fact, I think I did in French, not in English. But I was, I lived in Quebec for a little while and we, we used Bananagrams there, but yeah, I don't know. Is that, did you, is that one that you would recommend?
0: Yeah. Um, I played it once. It's sort of like a fast version of Scrabble. So oh, right. it's like, um, it's pretty fun. Like you have your own tiles and then there's tiles in the middle. You're trying to make words and then, um, you, you try to go out first over, uh, the the other players, but it's kind of like Scrabble because you put them up in front of you, and they have to you know connect like Scrabble yeah. does. But you have like your own section, and other people have their own sections, and it moves a lot more fast than um, than Scrabble does too. So that's a pretty fun word game.
2: Yeah, Scrabble can be slow for sure, but so Q, what I know we we talked about this, I don't know, a month or so ago, and you were showing us your collection of games and mm-hmm. you have quite the collection. So what is it about board games that you just love doing so much?
1: I like to spend money on things that are completely <laughs> pointless, I guess, but, um, I think I really got into board gaming back in, well, it started in college and it started out with very party ish games I mean, apples to apples, um, clue, uh, categories, um, we played a lot of like Monopoly 2000 and stuff. So so the more party-ish games that are more family-oriented. Then I didn't play for a long time. I got into Magic the Gathering and, and D&D Pathfinder. Um, and eventually 2017 came around and I really wanted to go to Comic-Con, but I couldn't get a ticket. And so like, well, what's the next biggest conference that's going on around this time? And I found out about Gen Con, which is like the biggest board game convention in america and we went there and it was like the 50th anniversary of gen con and i fell in love with just the community the atmosphere uh we hadn't played a whole lot of games at that time we played a few smaller games um like twilight i guess twilight not really small but that's one of the ones we played um arkham horror eldritch horror those are all really really big games so i kind of lied Big games that were kind of co opy or very much area control fighting games. Uh, I think I went there and spent like six hundred bucks my first time just on new wow. games, and um, I guess the rest is history. Now I'm I'm almost at three hundred board games now, and um, there's a huge gaming community in Northwest Arkansas. We had a pretty good size one in Dallas. When I moved to Houston, I didn't have as much. COVID hit too, so me and my wife played a lot more in the house. Um, we played a few more um, two-player games or four-player games. We played like a two-player game. And I just like the competitive stuff, the competitiveness of it. Um, just being able to, I like to say, I think I said it on the other podcast. It was like, I talk trash when I'm playing games. I talk trash when I play any sport or any competition, any game. I even talk trash when I'm writing code. <laughs> so so it, it's, a whole, it's a whole vibe that I get. I like to be able to compete and and win at something or or be good. Even if I'm losing, I'll still talk trash. So <laughs> um, just a, a, a good vibe to be in, I think.
2: See, that's good because I tend to shut down with, uh, and I didn't always used to be that way. Like I used to be someone, I was a competitive soccer player and loved that, that challenge. And, and kind of like you said, like the trash talk element of it, but as I've gotten older, I feel like I've I've become more of just the like play together, you know, let's win together (laughs) or lose together, that type of a thing. But Mm -hmm. you mentioned competition and it's actually the reason that we have you on the episode today. And I have to give Preston props because when we were going back and forth about episode ideas, I loved that he suggested this idea of talking about board games. And then the idea came up to talk about that competitive side to it and how because like we said, so many programmers like games. And I think a lot of people can relate to what you're talking about, Q, where there's this competitive side to it, or even, uh, even you know, like you said, co-op. But when we think about it, there are some parallels with the competition in games to the competition that you would find in your career as a software engineer, and we thought it'd be fun to talk about those comparisons here on the episode with you, because you do love gaming so much. So that's what you're here to do. We're really <laughs> excited. Um, but because we always do this, we like to get to know our, our guests a little bit more. And since it goes so well with the the topic of today of competition, we thought it'd be fun to start with a little competition of our own and give you a challenge. So are you up for a challenge?
1: Oh man. Okay. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Awesome. So Preston and I, we're going to go back and forth. We have a list of questions and they're all pop culture related. So I don't know how, how in you are with pop culture, but we'll keep track of your score. And if you get at least five of the six correct, then we have these really cool custom designed uh, t-shirts for the Angular community meetup that we have, we're going to give out at ngconf. Ah,
0: okay. But
2: you'll have, we'll, we'll put your name on one of them and reserve it for you if you can get five of the six.
1: Oh, I don't know if I can get five. I want to try my best, but so we'll see. <laughs> okay.
2: All right. So, Preston, are you ready?
0: Yes, I am.
2: Let me unhide them. I hid them, everybody, so that okay. we couldn't. There we go. All right, Preston, you go ahead and get started when you're ready.
0: All right, so the first one is, how many murder weapons are there in the game Clue?
1: Okay, that one's easy, because like I said, we played a lot of Clue in college, and Clue was one of my favorite board games for years, so it plays three to six players, and because of that, you can have six weapons, and there are also six characters.
2: Nice. Well, wow, I'm impressed.
1: Yeah, th- uh, that's way impressive.
0: I would have had no idea. So. <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. What is the title of the fifth Harry Potter book?
1: Ooh. Okay. We did just watch all the Harry Potter movies. My son, who is seven, wanted to go through them all. Um. I feel like you said the fifth. Yeah. The fifth one is. Can I get a hint? Because I know that. Is Askaban the third one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Deathly Hollows is the sixth, right? Okay. So the one before it? No, it's not the sixth. No, Deathly Hollows no, no. is the seventh. Seventh. So, seven. Oh, I'm not going to get this then. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know that one. Okay, hang on. I'll, let's see. I'll
2: give, you, I'll give you a hint then. It. It's. Uh, part of the title is a creature, a good order,
1: order of the phoenix. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I read them. My son watched them all just recently. We haven't watched the adult ones yet, but okay, I'm good. I'm good. I can get all the rest of them. All right.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The next one What's the name of the South Korean singer who released Gangnam Style in 2012?
2: Psy. Oh, wow. That was fast. Yeah. Nice. All right. We've talked about board gaming, but let's test your, your, uh, like video gaming here. Okay. So in Mario Kart, there's a shell that seeks out the player that's in first place and it explodes when it hits them. But what color is the shell?
1: First place specifically is blue.
2: Nice.
0: Nice. I, when we play with my wife, she's usually in front. So mm-hmm. she gets hit by the kids with the blue shell frequently. <laughs> so I would have gotten that one. <laughs> All right. Next up What computer game became the world's most popular MMORPG, massively multiplayer online role playing game within a few years and continues to be referenced in popular culture with its three letter abbreviation?
1: World of Warcraft. Oh, another one you got fast. I only, so if you, if I turned my map or my camera, you would see that World of Warcraft's on my screen right now because I, (laughs) I just started playing it again recently. So nice.
2: I've (laughs) not, I've never played it. Have you ever played it,
1: Preston? Nope. Yeah. Preston's too cool for a while. (laughs) No, I just,
0: I, my relaxed time, we'll probably talk about this later. My relaxed time is usually centered around TV shows and sports i don't mind video games i just can't get into that so yeah we'll probably talk about that more later but.
1: oh yeah we got to talk about that that'll
2: be fun <laughs> and i kind of go in spurts like there there will be periods where i don't play any video games and then all of a sudden one comes out that i love like right now is jedi Survivor. oh jedi. we gotta
1: talk about that too then all just, about that yeah I, I played from four i'm in central time i just played from four to five so nice oh
2: um, yeah. yeah for sure we'll have to talk about it <laughs> All right, let's see if you know this one, because this isn't a board game, but in the game of dominoes, what's the highest number of pips, the little dots, that can be on one end of a domino? All
1: right, so we're talking about like my kind of dominoes, or are we talking about your kind of dominoes? <laughs> <I don't laughs> because, know the difference. Because, because in our dominoes, it's six. Is that the one you're going to say? Because there's also dominoes that have nine on them, too. Like, I play, oh. like, like Mexican Train is what it's called. And you can, like, get really crazy oh, yeah. on them. And they're, like, nine dotted ones. Wow.
2: Okay, you totally know yeah. a lot of that. I had no idea. Yeah,
1: yeah, you got it
0: right with six. But I was surprised by it too, because I, I played Mexican Train dominoes. Yeah. And yeah, we have at least nine on them. So Mm -hmm.
1: it's a really fun that you get this little like star thing and you build out and it's, it's a weird, I haven't played it a long time, played in boy Scouts, but that was a, that was a fun game. But yeah, typically I just played normal bones and it's six pips.
2: Six. Nice. All right. There we go.
0: Nice. All right. Well, uh, you got all six of them, right, but we do have one bonus question. And this one is what is the name of the ancient Egyptian board game, which is considered one of the oldest known board games.
1: I definitely don't know that one. Um, ancient Egyptian. Um, yeah, because typically I would think of like the typical, I guess chess and whatnot would be all too more or more recent. Um, I'm going to throw one out there and say like Mancala. <laughs> <I don't
2: know. laughs> well, that's, that's not a bad suggestion, honestly. It I A
1: I, little
0: bit, the first image I saw, um, it's called Senate or... I don't know if that's uh, how you pronounce it, but Senet or S-E-N-A-T mm-hmm. is a board game from ancient Egypt that consists of ten or more pawns on a thirty-square playing board. Interesting. So yeah, interesting. I'd never heard of that.
2: I hadn't yeah. either, but yeah. I well, overall though, Q, I'm very impressed. I would not have known a few of
1: those. So well, you both would have got the Harry Potter one. It sounded like Preston got <laughs> I the, did you do, got you got both gotten gotten one, but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: well well well
2: done and then yeah when we're at NGConf, we'll be sure to give you your very own um, uh, angular community meetup t-shirt it's it's like in the style of comic books so oh perfect got our little logo and yeah it's all comic book themed like the conference so should be good nice okay well let's yeah let's get into our discussion
0: Okay. So Q, uh, you've pr- proven your competitive side a little bit with us. We've talked a little bit more about that, or we've talked a little bit about that, but we want to talk some more um, about how that competitive edge in software engineering can help people, how it's helped you, stuff like that. So uh, before we get started though, uh, a little bit of background for our listeners. Uh, Q is a software architect at J.B. Hunt. An NG champion writing technical articles for NGConf. And he has kind of been making the rounds on um different events, podcasts and uh the community meetup and stuff like that as a speaker. Um, so you may have seen him uh recently um uh out there because he's he's been out there a lot lately. Um, but Q, all these different things, uh it, it definitely shows that um like you have this drive. And usually, like I, I've seen a lot of times that like competitive people really have that drive, so like how do you think that that competitive how do you think that that competitiveness that's a hard word um, <laughs> can uh can like what does it mean to be competitive in a work environment for you and and kind of how do you see the role of of competition in in a work
1: environment yeah it's it's really hard to explain it um I, I, I always, I've always been a competitive person. Um, and so it wasn't until you probably get a kick out of this. I watched, uh, that Michael Jordan six part series, uh, back in 2020, I guess. Uh, and he talked to, he, he always created this enemy. Like there were never these enemies. They were always in his head, but like he always had this goal, like this guy, I I'm going to beat this dude. Um, it almost sounds bad now that I'm, like, I'm an architect I can't be talking like this <laughs> but um but yeah I got, I always always have this target in my head like I'll I'll, I'll find someone who is creating content that's like I want to be as good as this guy is I'm, I'm gonna look at his code I'm want to try to study how they write how they write code how they develop what's he doing that that looks you know that that I can try to model my game around or model my code around right now it's been uh' it's been a little bit of a mix between like Brandon and uh and Chow, <laughs> so it's just just pick someone out and be like that's my new goal is to be, to be as good and those guys are like really really good developers um but but watching them and watching what they post on twitter and kind of looking at their code seeing like what kind of um what patterns they're following um it always helps my game out as well uh i had a had a junior on my team tell me like every time you push a push up new code cuz it, it's not always every day for me, it's probably every quarter. or So I push up something big, some new code. It's never looks the same. So I'm, I'm always trying out new patterns and um, I try to bring in new, not always new third-party tools, but if there is something new in the market that everybody's using in the community, I try and style my, uh, my code that way as well.
2: So I like that because The way you're describing it is you're using that sense of competition to help drive you and give you the motivation to try new things, like you said, and, you know, push forward. I think, though, a lot of it seems to be kind of personality-based in ways where some people thrive in that competition, other people don't. And I know I mentioned earlier, I'm one of those that, as I've gotten older, I tend to shut down a little bit with competition. I, I don't like when other people are, I, you know, it depends on the spirit of it too. If it's friendly, you know, that's one thing, but there are situations where people try to push you down because mm-hmm. they're putting themselves above and ahead of you. Um. So I, I just think that's interesting, but I like how you use it in a positive way. And That's actually so that's kind of one question I have for you, though, because I do think it's essential, at least to an extent in our careers where maybe you don't seek out the competition. But I do think that there's a certain level of competition that you have to have, because unfortunately, I think there are situations that. You don't invite, but other people. You can't control other people. You know, like right. in my career, for example, I've I've had coworkers at previous jobs that literally take stories and projects that I've worked on and claim it as their own work, or <laughs> employers who I'll do all sorts of research or you know you know like work on something and they'll turn around and and pitch it as their own idea and and things like that where you have to learn to stick up for yourself and, you know, have that competitive edge at least enough so that you don't get stomped on. But what I would love to get your insights on is how do you, and how do you think teams and employers can foster a healthy amount of comp- competition without it becoming more cutthroat where it is encouraged to, Oh, look, you know, we have to, like we're, we're basically being paid by how many stories we get through or how many commits we make. Mm-hmm. So if somebody else does some work and I can take it, I will, because it gives me more commits. How do you keep that out of it and keep things positive?
1: That's a very difficult question to answer. Um, I, th- I think one of the the early, so back in 2012 or so, when I first started developing, um, I had never worked at a job that cut its workforce at the end of the year and that was something that my first company did uh, they would kind of do like the bottom five percent would get cut the top five percent would get promotions straight up and so there was stack ranking And i think stack ranking is still kind of common in the tech industry um we see cuts all the time and and things and and so early on i'd always joke that you know like my favorite motto or the motto i have to live by is not only must I succeed, everyone else must fail. <laughs> so that's probably the the absolute wrong way to look at things. And as I've gotten older and matured more in, the, in my career, sure, it's probably not the way to do. It. You want to make sure that you're building up your community and building up your your teammates. Especially in my role, I have to make sure that I'm building everyone else up. Um, but in terms of how can you how can the how can your job help? promote, you know, friendly competition. Um, we, we, at JB hunt, we do, um, something called 13th week. Our sprints are two week sprints. So, um, after the, uh, after the sixth sprint, so 12 weeks in the, the 13th week is kind of a dead week before we reset and go to the next quarter. Um, during that 13th week, we do like, um, what we call skill ups. So the first two days are people teaching classes, um, hour long sessions about whatever I'm doing one, um, this quarter on uh, test driven development with cypress component testing of course i am you know so um and then there's there's a whole bunch for two days and then on the third day and the so wednesday thursday and friday generally are whatever the company wants to do or whatever your team wants to do Um, a couple i guess it was a year ago we had a director who was like um, we're gonna create this friendly competition thing so this is straight into this, um, where this was when Dogecoin had just kind of blown up for a little bit, Dogecoin, it was almost a dollar. And he said, for every story, we're going to create like priority one bugs, priority two bugs, priority three bugs. And depending on which ones you get, he had a price set on them. So if, if you completed one of the priority one bugs, you got like, it was like 10 Doge or something. And then like the priority twos were five and the threes were a dollar and whoever won it was going to get like 25 doge. And so it was just a cool little way to kind of harbor friendly thing. Like everybody was kind of helping out everyone on that. So cool little events like that, I think that the job or that a team can do if if they can afford to do something like that is always cool. Um, In terms of like peers, I think it's always cool to have, if you're in a a lower, like a junior developer role or something, I, I think painting a target on someone like like I want to I want to make sure that this guy or this or this girl lady will appreciate something that I'm doing with some code I want to I want to target her or him and see like how they write their code um, I'm gonna go for this acknowledgement and I, I had a guy who was my architect at a previous company who I wanted to I always wanted that acknowledgement from him so he was also I was, I was gunning for him. Like eventually I want to be better than this guy. I want, I want his job. I want to be his architect at some point. And so anytime I could get like a kudos from him or something was always like the best thing I could take home with me for the day. Um, I think I have a guy who's my junior on my current team. Who's also, I, I got a target pinned on my back for him as well. So um and I and I absolutely appreciate that because I grew up doing the same thing. And so I think he's, you know, he wants to me to he wants to earn my respect for, for you know writing really great code. And I think it makes him code better as well, I'll give him tough love and PRs. Um, he comes to me for any hard questions that he has or that he's stuck on something he wants me to kind of walk him through. Well, how you how would you do that? Or kind of pushing back on like, well, can I do it this way instead? Because I see you did it this way, but I saw it this other way here and i I like this pattern more well you know well if you do like it it well tell me why you like that one more you know so it's it's been it's always fun for me to do it that way but i know not everyone likes being tough loved but um that's something that i like and i think if if you can feed on that then i think it's a i think it's a great way to build up your confidence and also build up your your self-esteem i think uh i think that's
0: pretty cool like i think a lot of people like competition but like sometimes in different ways and so um whether it's video games i think you can probably pretty much cover everybody in the world probably if you talk about either like video games or board games or sports or mm-hmm. something like that like that covers a wide range of people and most of those there is a level of uh competitiveness and so trying to find ways to kind of like gamify your work i think is kind of natural to people. Uh, and it, it's almost comforting, uh, uh, at least for me, um, it's kind of comforting to like have kind of that goal sort of like we're talking about, but for people who maybe are like less competitive, um, what are, what are some tips that you maybe have for them? Because like when you're really competitive, you kind of like, you learn to deal with failure or you learn to deal with losing and you kind of get, uh, mentally, tough. like you get mentally stronger to deal with those, those, uh, failures. So if you're not a very competitive person, you don't have a lot of um, experience in competition. How can people still kind of build up that mental toughness?
1: And that's really tough because I've always had it, <laughs> but, but I, I, I think, um, Oh man, I can't I can't answer for anyone to be like, well, you just gotta deal with it because I feel like that's not the way to go about it. But I think if that's someone, how we were
0: that's how we were close when we were growing up, huh? It, just it deal is with it. though.
1: It is <laughs> yeah, just just put some dirt on it and keep going. But yeah, um, I know I know times are different for sure. I think I think in that case, I don't want to say you have to pretend and, and deal with it. I think if you if you if you don't want to be pushed that hard, you gotta let someone know. But also on the same side, if someone is being too tough on you, or if you if you can't take that heat, I guess, um, I feel like you just gotta tell the person who's giving it to you. I don't know, but that's that's a that's a tough question. Do you guys have any experience with that? Are you? brook yeah, Brooke, you I, said that you aren't very competitive, so how does it well, work for you?
2: I and, and you know, I am in in a, in a certain way, like I am with myself. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And I think Preston used a really important word here because he he brought up gamification. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between gamifying something and competition, right? Like you can have that gaming element where you have goals and objectives, targets, like you said. And I think that can be positive, but it's framed in a certain way. These are my objectives. These are my goals. That's what I'm shooting for but the competition side to it I think is where people would shut down that if you start comparing one developer to the next or doing it in a negative way like you never want to and especially if you know it's someone's uh, like natural uh, inclination to shut down with competition then I would be very careful in how I word things with that
0: Mm -hmm. person
2: I would make sure to create positivity and giving them, I don't know, that encouragement while still, like you said, Q, you still have to be hard on them. You still have to critique them and teach them. But I think it's just a matter of reframing things in a particular way and being sensitive to what other people's personalities are like, you know?
0: Yeah. I think if the stakes are low enough too, then you can kind of teach people to, at least like the um, the type of competition that can help them grow as a developer and stuff like that. Um, but no, I think I don't think anybody really performs well when the stakes are super high unless they're like constantly doing it. Like even professional athletes, a lot of times they kind of you know we're like, oh, that guy froze under the pressure. Yeah, he um, choked. And yeah, yeah, he choked, and and so people aren't naturally going to do well in situations where it's like, Hey, you got to do this or you're going to lose your job. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a negative situation. But if, if you can put a positive spin on it, low stakes, that might also be a way to help people to learn, um, at least to like the competition that's in our offices and, and become better that way too. Yeah.
2: I have to point out again, I, I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but it was actually, I don't think that episode has come out yet as we record this. It was the episode that we did with Ravo Cell from this.labs, and we were talking about this feature on Slack. It's it's a like an app that you can integrate with Slack, and it's called Tacos. But you're you essentially every day, everyone on your team gets x number of tacos and you can give them out to other coworkers throughout the day and managers get more i think they have unlimited amount of tacos but what you're doing is essentially creating a competition-like thing where and i guess i should use gamification there because you get like, there's, there's prizes that you can earn. And so you have all of this company swag or different perks that you can get. And they have like a, basically a monetary value on them. So a t-shirt is, you know, 250 tacos or something, and you have to try to earn enough tacos to get there. But see, that's not, I feel like that's good competition because you're competing against yourself for, can I get more tacos than I got yesterday? And it's all for, uh, I pushed a PR forward. I got through a really difficult bug. Um, you know, people are acknowledging you. They give you tacos based on things they see you doing in a positive way. And I feel like that does build up that level of uh, like drive, It, but it's safe, like what you're saying, Preston. It's not anything to do with your salary or comparing you against another developer. It's just competing against yourself to do better with a positive goal at the end. And it does, it gives you that sense of competition, but just without those high stakes, like you mentioned. So there are things like that I think you can do, and they seem to be very, very effective.
1: Yeah. I see. I think that there's, I feel like, yeah, that is competition, but I feel like a lot of people won't see that as competition because you're not really going up against anyone else but I think that kind of answers the question that Preston asked was um, if you if someone can't take that pressure from someone else being able to live with the pressure of you challenging yourself or within yourself is probably a good way to build up that self-confidence if I can create challenges in my head and I can overcome those challenges and I can then whatever what anyone else tries to challenge what doesn't even matter anymore. And I think that goes back to the whole Jordan thing. Like he would just create these targets that came out of nowhere. I think Kobe was probably the same way is that they just they had these things in their head that just they needed to, to overcome. They didn't care about anyone else outside of it as long as they could overcome their their own challenge and themselves to become the best player that they could have been. Um and just being the best dev, the best employee, or the the best student that you can be. And and that's kind of the end of it. I, I think that's kind of how I typically job with it is that I, I know that I'm not going to be, you know, Ben Lesh or anything. I'm not going to create RxJS, <laughs> but but I can I can totally be, you know, one of the best developers at J.B. Hunt, you know, so that's kind of how I deal with it as I'm like waving my hand around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think
0: all all the stuff you said um i agree with all that like to to i think a lot of us have even if you don't call it competition a lot of us i think have that drive to get better and then sometimes it comes out in competition and and sometimes maybe it doesn't for everybody but i think a lot of times it does it it just maybe looks
1: different for for some Mm -hmm. people do either of you want to play any mobile games at all you guys are quiet so probably not
2: not no like just stupid little i mean like maybe emoji blitz or something you know nothing nothing big
1: i don't know what emoji blitz is but i i'm sure there is some type of leaderboard somewhere in that game right
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. so
1: those games like that for me are absolutely the worst things made because i see that and I see that I'm not number one or I've, I don't see my name in that first loading screen, like in the like this top eight or something that I have to spend money until I can make myself get okay. to that point. And so I just create these like, there's, like they're not telling me to compete, but I see a way that I can compete right there. It's like, OK, my name's not there. I need my name to be there. I just need that. It's not even recognition for, for anyone else. It's just I want to be at the top. I'm going to push myself to get there. And typically in mobile games, the only way you can get to that point is by spending dollars. And so,
0: right. And right. so then
1: I will. And that's kind of, it's just one of those things in my, that I was born with, I guess.
2: Well, so, so talk about that. Cause I think it's a good point. You have a natural uh, like passion for it. It's just part of what makes Q Q. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't though, I guess what I'd, I'd like to know is how do you use that, Sense of competition in your career to help you stand out, and how can other people's do people's? Oh my gosh, how can other people do the same? And I mean specifically, like in the job market. I'm thinking of, you know, we've just gone through this whole round of mass layoffs where there's tons of people looking for jobs, and people are constantly trying to figure out how do I stand out from the crowd, and you have that ability to want to be better than all of them you know it's natural for you how can other people also do the same thing so that they can stand out and i don't just mean if you're looking for a job but even within your own company maybe you're looking for a promotion or something
0: mm-hmm.
2: how can we stand out and really be the one that like you said has that target on our back where other people are like dang i want to be like her i want to be like him
1: well uh- I don't even, I don't work with you or Preston, but I'm sure there's something, maybe it's Preston at his job, maybe it's you at your job, but there's somebody at the job who is like, that is like the ideal employee right there. What is that person doing every day that lets that person stand out? Are they coming into work early? Well, I'm gonna beat that person into the office tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Um, how many PRs is this person commenting on during the, during the day? Is he commenting on everybody's PR? Well, I'm going to comment on everybody's PR as well. I'm going to PR before he PRs. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to push more code than that person's pushing up. Uh, I'm going to speak in meetings more. I'm going to ask better questions than that person. Um, All those things kind of end up driving up to being like, well, now I'm at the top of the, I'm at the apex now. So now people are going to be chasing after me. So I have to keep, I have to maintain my distance in order for no one else to catch up to me. Um, I see someone else leaving comments. Oh, I need to set my game up tomorrow because this person left 12 comments in PRs today. I left 10. So tomorrow I'm going to leave. I'm going to push and make 16 if I if I can. Um, another good thing, like you said, interviewing and um, resumes, um, probably not the best choice, but like Upwork has those tokens or whatever. Um, you probably don't want to like out token people. But I mean, I would really spend some time making sure that my resume is up to snuff, like it needs to be top tier. It's kind of be hard if you don't look at resumes all the time. But I, I see resumes come in because I do interviews at JB Hunt. But every now and then I'll see one come in. I'm like, whoa, this one's a, that one's a nice. I need to go update mine today and make those changes. So anytime I see something that someone else is doing that's really, really good, then I want to also try to incorporate that into my day to day, and so that I can also stand out. If it stands out to me, I mean, I, I mean I'm sure it's standing out to someone else got to kind of
0: look yeah. at it that way yeah i think that in a lot of ways that's really what i've done in in my career like i look back to 2016 i think i went to my first ng in 2016 and uh, i remember like going there and i didn't know anybody there i'd only barely started using angular 2 um and um i mean it was like it wasn't out yet it was in beta but i barely started using angular and uh but we knew that's what we were going to use for our job and i remember leaving and being like okay i want to be comfortable enough in this technology and and in front of people to be able to stand up on on stage and like it took a long time for me to get there but that's kind of like what drove me and i was like all right well i want to i met with aaron uh, like a year after that, Aaron Frost, like a year after that probably and t- started talking to him about, well, how do I become a GDE in Angular and started working towards that and doing everything I could to be, uh, to be better and and to make myself better. And, um, and I think it, like, it's been really helpful for me. It gave me a goal. And like you said, when I see other people doing stuff, I was like, Oh, well maybe I should, uh, get more involved in open source because that guy, or that girl is doing it and it's working for them. And so, yeah, I I think that that can be like really healthy. Uh, You have to be careful not to make it negative and Mm -hmm. push people around you down together. And we've, I think we've probably seen examples of that in our, in our careers, but like, I think all of this stuff at first, maybe it can sound a little bit negative or bad but i think it only is if you start putting other people down to push yourself up and so as long as you uh use it in a positive way man i think that's like really what can really push you um to the next level and and get you to be that person like you said that everyone is looking to on the team that's like oh hey ask them they are definitely going to know the answer to your question Mm
2: -hmm. something else you've both been saying that i want to highlight here that I really like is that you, and I kind of touched on this earlier with Q, but you're using other people's examples as a way to motivate you, because I do think it's easy to compare yourself to other developers and let that make you feel lesser than like, oh, I'm failing because I'm not as good as that person, or I can't do what they can do. And and I, I think that's a real thing you know for people to go through that thought process of just not being good enough and that I think is what a lot of people would say that uh, imposter syndrome stems from is that comparison but what I love is that you've both taken other people's examples and rather than let it make you feel defeated or not good enough you've it's just, it's all frame of mind, right? So much of success, I feel like, is how you frame things in your mind and your thoughts. And you've both used it as you're setting goals and you're giving yourself those ob- objectives. And so that's actually a question I have for, for both of you is how are you setting those goals then? If you if you see that objective, you see that target, you want to like, you know, going back to Q's example of so-and-so gets there at, such and such time every day. Well, I can be there at least one minute earlier, or I can turn in two more PRs than they did. But do you, are you writing them down? Are you keeping yourselves accountable for these goals? How are you keeping track of it so that you make sure that you're actually achieving them?
1: You mean to answer it first? Yeah. (laughs) Typically I don't keep my, I used to back back when I first started I used to keep a bullet journal of like all the things that I was wanting to achieve like I had I, I didn't like go really crazy with the bullet journal wing. I didn't make that in my life but I did like have like this week I want to do this that's my goal and this this month I'm gonna have this done nowadays not as much um, I, I I do enough just sitting on Twitter seeing and following people's comments and stuff that i can kind of see like okay this is what they're doing i want to do that too like right now it's right now i'm just slacking but every time i see preston's name come up for an <laughs> NGConf uh article on medium i'm like gosh dang it he beat me to it like today i got the signal one they're like gosh dang it i was gonna do that one but um yeah i mean there, there's things like that that i try to keep myself up so if i see something today or tomorrow then the next day is i'm gonna start working on that particular thing
0: Yeah, I'm kind of. I think I'm kind of the same way. I I think I used to think more specifically than I do for goals. Now it's uh, it's not so much. Um, for a long time, like my goal was to become a GDE in Angular, and so just everything that I did was centered around how can I make uh how can I increase my knowledge and make my GDE application look. Good enough that I can be accepted, and like I applied a couple times and got turned down, and so that just like motivated me to keep going. And and okay, I got to do a little bit more. I've got to learn a little bit more here and stuff like that. And so now it's like continue to learn the new the new things that are coming out. Like I don't want to be five years down the road and realize, oh, like I'm way out of date on my knowledge. Like how how do I learn these new things that come out how can I learn to implement standalone components or signals or whatever um and so the reason why I write as many blog posts as I do is because like I'm constantly trying to implement those new things into our code base and I'm lucky enough that I have like that that freedom to be able to do that that I'm like I right, I'm working on this and I'm gonna I'm gonna convert this to standalone components And so I just did it because I could, and I know it's not, uh, how everyone works, but then I wrote an article on it. And so that's kind of what, uh, keeps pushing me now. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, um, certain things will come up and then I kind of hyper-focused on it. Um, I was like hyper-focused on video course for a little bit when Brooke and I first met and made several video courses and, and stuff like that. Um, being a host on a podcast has been something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, took me a while to get around to finally doing it, but I, I wanted to be able to do that. And so I've had like these goals and then I just kind of like Q said, I just kind of keep my eye out on Twitter and stuff and I see what other people are doing. And I'm like, oh, that maybe that's a good idea. Maybe that's what I should kind of aim for next.
2: It's interesting because I tend to be the same way. I've, I've never really been someone that keeps a set list of like, these are my my professional goals or my learning goals. And yet I was reading this article the other day. It was a, It was actually by Tony Robbins. I've never really followed him very much, but I do respect a lot of the things that he says. And there was this article specifically about goal setting and I thought it was very fascinating because they've done studies over the years with this control group and they split it into three three groups of people or yeah, like three three subsets. And they had one set get very specific in writing down their career goals. And then another one had goals, but they didn't write them down. It was just kind of in their head. And the third third group didn't really set goals. They just kind of went with the flow, just let things come as they, as they did. And after so many years, they went back and evaluated what kind of career success each of the groups had had. And of course, the group that didn't really set any goals, they were just sort of getting by. You know, a lot of people were unhappy with their jobs. They were just sort of getting through it all. The group that had goals and didn't write them down a lot of them had been quite successful. They had achieved some, some great things, but it was that group that physically wrote their goals down that not only were they succeeding and had they gotten to their, uh, like what, you know, those objectives they had set, but they had exceeded them. And a lot of them were making, I think, I think it literally said 10 times as much money as they had set for that objective. And I just thought that was fascinating. So it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately of I really think I should write these goals down and and be more accountable to myself for checking in on how am I doing? What what can I do to improve? But yeah, it is it goes back to just that self-competition. How can I be better than I was the day before, the week before, the month before.
0: Cool. So yeah, we've talked a lot about a lot of really good things, I think. Um I think a lot of it has kind of focused on like um, more experienced devs really like continuing to to go, or maybe not only, but we've talked a lot about our experiences and I think all of us are um, a, a little bit more um, experienced than like brand new junior devs. So what what do you think in your experience, you said you hire a lot of people, you're, you're in, in interviews, what do juniors do or what can they do? Uh, or entry level even, first first time they're getting a job, what can they do to um, show that competitive edge even though they don't have a lot of experience?
1: Generally, what I'm looking for in a junior dev, whether it be SE1 or SE2, I'm looking, what are they doing to um, invest in themselves outside of their current job? If they're just like, like I, I hear a lot of times where it's, um, it always gets me, I think I wrote about this before was, When someone tells me that, and I ask, like, what's your testing paradigm look like at your job? And they tell me, well, we don't test at job X because my manager doesn't want us to test. How does that work? Do you test at home then? Like, are are you actually actively writing tests in some side project? And they'll say no. That's automatically, I don't want to say it's an automatic not hire, but generally, like if, if you're not even doing your due diligence on the side and learning about these these other tools that you can add to your repertoire, I, I generally don't find that appealing. So any, anytime that you can tell me like things that you're working on outside of your project or things that you, are your job or things that you're are doing on a side project, those are always just and then for a junior dev, it's almost I'm going to go to bat for you when it's when it comes time to make the decision on hiring or not.
2: I think it's important. And and that's where you can use your one-on-ones, especially, and let your, let your team lead, let your manager know, Hey, these are the things I'm working on in my, Mm -hmm. my free time. And it may not be super noticeable, you know, in terms of the, the work that maybe you're pushing forward, but I do think it's important for you to let, let your manager know that like, this is what I'm doing. These are the extra things I'm learning. Show that enthusiasm, show that excitement And I think that goes a long way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it doesn't have to be like a lot either. Um, Like there are times in uh, over the last several years where I've spent a lot of time outside of work hours, learning stuff on the side. There's other times where I spend less time outside of my job. It kind of depends on what's going on in my life at the time. So it doesn't have to be a lot, but just showing that you're um, you have enough of an interest to spend extra time learning and being better. I think that goes a long way. And then I like what you said to Brooke about letting your, your boss know, like you don't even have to do it like in a formal way. Like you can do it in a formal way if they ask you, especially, but a lot of times it'll just be like, um, we'll just be talking it, and I'll say, Oh yeah. Like I saw this article that I read the other day about X or I was at the meetup the other day and did this, or I presented at the meetup and stuff. Like you can just kind of drop it in uh in your conversations with your your uh teammates and your your bosses and stuff. And that helps too. And if you're a little bit more shy about like explicitly saying, Well, yeah, I did this and this and this, um, then you can you can just kind of drop it in and people will notice that too. They'll be like, Oh. Uh, they presented at the community meetup. That's pretty cool or or whatever. I think that can be really beneficial too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, okay, Q, let's kind of go back full circle here because we, we started by talking about games, board games, video games. But I, I want to get, as a final way, kind of to wrap things up here, I want to get your input on what lessons do you think you've learned from gaming that you feel like, have given you a competitive edge as a developer is is there something or are there skills that you feel like to just leave our listeners with that final note you know like here are things you can do to give you that healthy competitive edge
1: yeah I mean an easy one is if you play video games you don't have to like it you don't have to find enjoyment out of it but get get yourself like a really hard game they call them souls like games and just get beat over and over you said you're playing a uh, jedi survivor right now i'm oh, playing yeah. on like uh like what jedi grandmaster or whatever right now right and yeah. like, so my son is a c7 so I I'm, I'm pretty new I'm pretty early in the game still um I ended up going through this side path um in, in a mine it's a rumor okay. quest and there is a um oh, there's a there's a boss in there I don't want to give any spoilers but it's a, a big boss and way too early in the game to be trying to fight him but I just kept going and going and going and dying and dying and dying over and over. He's he's hitting me twice and I'm dying he's like, why don't you, why don't you go do something else? And it's like, this is not even like, it has no effect on me at all. Like I'm just, I'm having fun doing it. I don't mind taking a few whacks to, to get better at the game. I'm learning how to parry and how to dodge out of this. So there's always a lesson, even if you fail. And so I think that's something that everyone has to remember. Like if, if you get turned down or if you get knocked down or something, there's a lesson in there somewhere that you can come out with better on the next, on the next run and that's how you deal with it i think that's going to be something that even even if it's not a video game if it's a board game if you lose in a competitive game let's say you're playing trouble uh you maybe you left your your piece in the home spot too long well next time you know not to do that you know there's always going to be a a change in the way you play or the way you write or the way you do something and you can come out better with it next time
0: cool yeah i couldn't say it any better I, i think that's uh one of the the best lessons that you can take from any competition um, to to your daily life and and can really help. So, well, thanks Q. Uh, We really appreciate it. This has been a great episode, really fun one. Um, I like talking about this type of stuff. All right. For everyone out there, you can go ahead and connect with Q on Twitter at tipster22. Uh, So give him a follow. And uh, he's pretty constantly tweeting some pretty good stuff. I follow him. And um, so go ahead and do that. And then make sure to uh, join us at the Angular Community Meetups. Um, we have those every fourth Tuesday of the month. And you can find our upcoming events on angularcommunity.net. And thanks for listening.
2: Go play Jedi Survivor.
1: Oh, I mean, I'm looking forward to just playing some more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it's too much fun.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dev Life, an ngconf podcast. We would like to thank the ng Conf organizers, Joe Eames and Aaron Frost, our sponsors, and our podcast editor and audio engineer, Patrick Hayes. You can hire him and find him everywhere on social media at patjohnhayes. This podcast was mixed and mastered by Spoonful of Media. You can find out more information about their work and the services that they offer by going to spoonfulofmedia.com.